Scott Fount with us this morning. So let's give a house welcome to Mr. Schultz. Am I alive? Okay, you can hear me. I, um, I think I can manage, yeah, just a little bit. That's good right there. Powers are losing their grip on this age. Did you hear that? I wrote that down because it is a prelude to what I think the Lord has called us to address this morning. Uh, I'll just say that the basic skeleton of this teaching I've taught before. It's something the Lord really quickened in me uh, several months ago, and I shared it with one church, but I put new meat on it. <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's a structure. I'm going to uh, sort of give you the structure before I start. I'm going to have a little introduction about, uh, actually, how many of you know who Ken Summerall? Mm -hmm. I know... Uh, he was president of a college, university, uh, Christian college in uh, Pensacola. Thank you. Uh, I really miss my memory. <laughs> but every once in a while it plugs in. So uh, he told this story as the truth. Now, I know how preachers are, so take it or leave it. But the story has a very serious point that we need to hear this morning. He said that one day in his office, he was also pastor of a church, not just the president of a college. Uh, someone walked, a man walked into his office with his head leaning over like this. And uh, Brother Summerall said, well, uh, how can I help you? And uh, the guy said, well, I can't lift my head off my shoulder. Well, what happened? Well, I was, I was at the bar, and this guy that was next to me, he yelled a word, and it got stuck in my ear. And it's a very heavy word, and I can't get my, it pulled my head down, and I can't get my head back up. Now, I don't remember that he shared what happened whenever he ministered to this guy. But that story has stayed, and that was 100 years ago when I heard this story. Well, not quite. Uh, quite some time ago when I heard this story. But that story speaks very clearly about the fact that words affect you. Words affect you. So we're going to talk about, uh, before when I taught this, I called it captivated by word. Not a word, but captivated by word. Now, the basic structure, 
Uh, I'm going to talk about word from above and word from below very briefly. And I'm going to illustrate Jesus uh, was captive to the word of his father. Whatever he father said, he did. He was pulled into, uh, I want to use the word today several times, and uh, it's the word vortex. You know what a vortex is? It's like a whirlpool or a tornado. It's, it's something that can grab you and pull you. You're going where it's going. Okay. Uh, so Jesus was caught in the vortex of his father's word. Now, it wasn't pull his, pulling his head down on his shoulder, but it was definitely determining his life. The second major point we'll get to is that the Pharisees were captive to another word, which we could simply call law, legalism. Okay. Then the third point we're going to make is that when we read the Bible, the word, when we read the Bible, the word, not the words on ink, but the word of God, which created the heaven and the earth, that word is hovering over the text, trying to draw you into its vortex. Okay, you with me? Now, after we talk about that very briefly, we're going to talk about the fact that there's another word that's trying to pull you in daily into its vortex. And it can be simply, the word is very simply, hath God said, did God really say that? I think you're imagining things. God doesn't like you. He doesn't want you to be successful. Okay. Now, believe it or not, that word has been around pulling people into its vortex for quite some time. It began at creation. Okay. So that, that's basically. Then we will conclude by talking about how can we resist evil's vortex. Because every day, it tries to pull you into an argument with your spouse. And it works. Oh, not in my life. <laughs> it tries to pull you into a, a, a wrong business deal. And we could go on and, and uh, say some things uh, on just about every level. But you understand that there are words that are trying to control you. Now, unfortunately, many of us, when we read the Bible, we try to force the word to come into our vortex and try to make it say what we want to say instead of what it says. Okay, so that's the basic lesson. Now, we'll just take one at a time. First of all, uh, it's interesting that my study of the, of the languages, the Hebrew and the Greek, 
uh, I discovered that there's a difference between the mentality of a Greek and most Westerners Greek think the way Greeks do, uh, is to create images. See, the Greeks did statuary, and it's amazing what they were able to do. But the Hebrews tell stories. The Bible is full of stories. They create images in the mind by telling stories. Both of them are creating images. And the question is, what kind of an image am I creating with my words? Okay, we'll, we'll get to that later. So there are uh, basically two types of words. The word from above, which may come in the form of a prohibition, don't eat that apple. Now, I know it was an apple. I saw a picture of it in Sunday school literature. <laughs> yeah. That's back when they had the flannel graph and all of that stuff. So there's the word from below, which says, uh, now it can come in many forms. The word from below that came from my dad, you're no good. You'll never amount to anything. You're a failure. Just face it. But the word from above says, I like you. You're awesome. As a matter of fact, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And you ladies put the word daughter in there. He spoke that to me one time, and it still rings in my spirit. I mean, it came with power, and it got a hold of me and pulled me into its vortex. Okay. So there, the, Jesus, captive to the Father's will, he did only what his Father said. Now, we all know that Jesus is the incarnate Word of God. The Word became flesh in Jesus because Jesus did what the word said. What you are doing with your life is an expression of a word which has grabbed you. Now, what was the word that uh, they used? Gripped you. At some point in my life, I received a word uh, from my dad and from others, you're not worth anything, blah, blah, blah. And I lived as though that were true. I became an incarnation of that word which had grabbed me. Okay? And, of course, we could ask a question here. What word are you are incarnating? What does your life say to the people that you know and the people you don't know. Now, I'm not going to answer these questions. I'm just asking to, to make our point. So Jesus is the Word incarnate. He is the Word from above. And uh, he is that Word from above because he received the Word from the Father, and he did. What you are doing is incarnating a Word. 
And we need to ask ourselves the question, which word am I incarnating? Bringing into the flesh, bringing into the history of the world, as a matter of fact. Yeah. We are writing a portion of history with our life. So the word incarnate from above, this word is creative. Everything that we have was created by a word. Let there be light, and there was light. Or we can go to the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And it goes on to say that all things were created by this Word. When God said, let there be light, that was the pre-incarnate Jesus. Word coming forth. And not incarnating, but enlightening. Are you with me here? Some, some of the things I think are kind of hard to get a hold of. I know. <laughs> Robert helps me get some things straight. Okay. So the word, all, the word of God also sustains creation. Hebrews. Okay. Okay, Matthew, Mark, Hebrews, chapter 1, and it's a verse that you all know. Uh, I'm going to read verse 3. He, which is Jesus, the Word of God, is the radiant of the glory of God, and he, the exact imprint of his nature, and he, this version, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. <coughs> Pardon me. He upholds the universe. That phrase, uh, the word uphold, doesn't mean like Atlas with a big world on his shoulders. It's a word, it means it bears its force toward its intended destiny. You see, and the word which is translated, incidentally, uh, universe here, is the word age, which uh, came in the prayer room today whenever it said it uh, is losing its grip on this age. See, there is an age that we live in that is dominated by a word that is from below. Now, there are those, like uh, those of us who are gathered here in other churches, who are trying their best to receive and come under the power of the other word, which is the word of God, which is very creative. But both these words, well, one is created and one is destructive. They're opposite. It creates destruction, if I could say it that way. So there is the word that sustains and moves the age from this age to the next age. Now, you wonder, there, there's this period of time where, uh, you know, all of the wars and, 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 and so forth that led up to Rome conquering the whole earth. And there was an age where Rome basically controlled 
the known world of that day. But there came a time when the age is shifting away from Rome. And when that happened, you, uh, I'm asking the question, what was the power that shifted the age from the age of Rome to the age of the uh, Reformation? A guy by the name of Martin Luther heard a word from above about faith, and it changed history. Now, that's what I'm really trying to get across today is that our words will change the portion of history that we're a part of. Now, do you want to change it for the good? Of course you do. Are you changing it for the good? And you don't have to answer me today. You're answerable to him, not me. (laughs) That's an easy way to get out of it. Okay. Uh, So the word incarnate, that's Jesus. And and this word Jesus, the rhema, uh, just look at the period of of the Babylonian uh, captivity. You'll remember Babylon basically were keeping all of God's people in captivity. And Jeremiah is speaking at this particular, he's prophesying, and he received the word from above, and that word is Babylon is fallen. It didn't say Babylon is going to fall. Babylon is fallen. Now, if you had been a political analyst at that period of time, you go back and you, you check. Babylon's very strong. There's not a crack in their foundation. So, Jeremiah, you miss God. No, he just spoke the word that shifted the age. When he said Babylon is fallen, there began to be a crack in the political foundation of Babylon, and they didn't even know it. I would love to talk about that history because it's it's interesting the way the uh, Persians, was it the Persians? Yeah, uh, how they took over Babylon in one evening. They just took over, and all of a sudden, a new because they actually they had dammed up the river that uh, had a passageway going in, and they had marched on the riverbed while. Uh, And this story is in Daniel. The uh, king was having a party, a drunken brawl. And everybody was drunk. All the soldiers and guards are drunk. And they walked in, and nobody knew they were in the city until they walked into the king's palace and said, we're taking over now. Just before that, do you remember what happened? Writing on the wall, mine, mine, teke ufarsin, which is weird. <laughs> because it, it's, it's not real clear. Uh, mine can be a piece of money, or it can be a, a, a bit, a measure. It can be two or three different things. A tekel. Uh, comes into the Hebrew language as shekel. Now, we all recognize the word shekel as a piece of money, but shekel is also a weight. 
and Farsin uh, has to do with a parting or a division. Well, it could be a dime, a nickel, and a half a dollar. Well, the guys at Peking wants them to try to explain it. They could a dime, a quarter, and a half a dollar. I, I don't get it. So Daniel came in. He said, you're weighed in the balance, and you're found wanting. There is a word from above that is the same time that the guys of the other army are walking on the riverbed into the city and coming into the palace. Words change history. Okay. I think that point is clear enough to me. <laughs> okay. Now, the Pharisees were captive to a word from below, but they thought their word was from above. I wonder how many of us think our word is from above when it's really from below. It's saying what I want to hear that makes me feel good and make, gives me an advantage over whoever it is that I want an advantage uh, it it makes me look real good, and I like that word. It must be from above because it makes me look good, right? <laughs> yeah, right. The word of God from above sometime will come down and make you look real bad. Like you are a sinner, there's no hope for you if you do not submit to my word. Okay, so the Pharisees, uh, they had the word from below. Uh, and I know Jesus thought of the Pharisees in this way because in uh, chapter 8 of the Gospel of John, verse 44, I think, it says, You are of your father the devil because you do the will of your father who was a murderer from the beginning. They heard a murderous word from below and thought it was from, below, from above because they used that word to uh, authorize themselves to actually send Jesus to the cross. They did not know that the word of God overcomes death itself. And so, it, and, and uh, Paul said in Corinthians, if they had known what they were doing, they wouldn't have done that. So we got him now. He's in the grave. Ha, 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 ha. Whoops. He got up. He came out of that grave. And he talked with the disciples and I poured out the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of the Christ upon the church, and the church became a movement almost underground because no one knew that they were turning the world upside down until later 
these guys have come to this town also. They're the ones that are turning the world upside down. Now, that's the, uh, the perspective of the world. They were really turning it right side up. So which way are you turning it? With your daily activity, with your words, with your attitudes, with your stance. I mean, there's so many ways that we speak beyond with our mouth. How I hate to be so ugly today, but I'm asking a question that will change history of this area. If you will hear what the Lord is saying today. Well, I'm already a good Christian. Being a good Christian is not enough. If you're not doing what Father is doing. Okay. Uh, they are doing what the Lord is doing. Okay, all of that. I did that. Now, when we read the Bible, when we read the text, now this uh, doesn't take as long, and I think we already made the point. Sometimes I am trying to draw this word into the vortex of my self-centeredness. And I want to make this word all about me. Now, the truth is, it is all about you. And what you've done wrong. I didn't want to hear that. It's all about you. The Bible, the word of God, is all about us. We sing this song, it's all about you. I'm returning to the heart of worship. It's all about you. But it's really all about me singing. It's all about you. Everybody notice I'm singing, I'm worshiping. It's all about me. But the Lord himself is singing over his church today. He, he's singing over you guys. He's singing over you guys. He's singing over you guys. He's singing. It's all about you, Bob. It's all about you. I did all of this for you. I did it all for you too. All of it was for you. But what he has in mind is not your self-centered life. It's all about he has a history he's trying to write and he wants you to join him in his history making. Yeah. And the only way we can do that is to hear the word from above and do. It's not, oh, God spoke to me. I remember when I was teaching at Elam several years ago, Awesome chapel service. All of the students are required to be there for the chapel every Tuesday morning. And this is one of those times when God showed up in the chapel. And, uh, I mean, all of these, these guys and these gals were really entering into not only the worship, but they, they began to prophesy to one another. Powerful prophetic words coming forth. After the chapel, uh, I'm walking toward my office between... Uh, the chapel in my office is the uh, dining hall place where all the students go to eat. So everybody is walking, and I'm walking with them toward the dining hall. And this one young young man 
oh, wasn't that an awesome worship service? I said, yes, it was. Uh, what impressed you? He said, oh, I heard seven prophecies. You did? Yeah, I, I think about it. Yeah, there were seven prophecies. And so I said, uh, that was good. Uh, incidentally, what did he say? Well, I don't remember, but it was good. <laughs> In other words, he was more excited about the fact of the prophetic word coming. He was not listening to what it was saying. Now, let that land. Whenever Robert's up here preaching or, or whoever is up here preaching, uh, whoever it is up here, when they're preaching, don't get impressed with their eloquence. And I know some of these guys can wax elephant. I don't know why they call it <laughs> wax. <laughs> oh, eloquent. <laughs> Don't be impressed with the eloquence or lack of eloquence. What is God saying to you? That's the only real question. So, we're reading the Bible trying to begin, in, but the word of God in our day is birthing a new nation. America, 10 years from now, will not be the America that we knew when we were younger and that you know today. The word of God is birthing a new nation because I am in, uh, uh, in connection with uh, literally thousands of people who are praying and who are decreeing the word of the Lord toward America. And I am impressed at how things are shifting. Now, if you listen to, uh, it doesn't matter, CNN or Fox, it doesn't matter, you will not see this shift. But something underground is rumbling because it's about to spit forth like a volcano. And... Things are going to be different. Okay. So the word is birthing a new era for us. Uh, we can resist the pull. It's an amazing thing about God's vortex. It's almighty God, but you can resist it. He created us with the ability to resist him. And we do simply because we listen to the other word. So we can resist the pull of God's vortex. Here's the question. Can you resist the vortex of the word from below that wants you to lash out against someone who just said something against you, that makes you lash out at your husband, at your wife, can you? Better question, will you? Because we all can. 
we have been empowered by God to resist, the, and I call that a whirlpool. I mean, it is pulling everything down. We, we visited the uh, Niagara Falls area and the, the river that follow after the fall, it goes around the bend, and there's a whirlpool there. And it is a powerful whirlpool. Huge logs get caught in that thing, and they cannot float down the river because they're caught in this vortex. Now, a swimmer, I doubt if there are any swimmers strong enough to swim against that vortex. Once you get caught in it, you're going down. But the power of God will give you a way out. Uh, we're not dealing with a water vortex, with a whirlpool. We're dealing here with the enemy's attempt to pull you down. But you have to go against your own flesh in order to resist what he's trying to do in your life. I wanted to say this thing to my wife because of what she said. And I'm holding it captive. I'm not going to say it. But she hears it through the teeth. <laughs> Did you know your wife can hear through your teeth when you're not even saying anything? Uh, or your husband. I'm not picking on girls. Okay. <laughs> I'm picking on people. All right. So how do we resist the pull? How did Jesus resist the pull? Now, believe me, he had the pull. Even in uh, the wilderness temptations, those were words intended to pull him into the vortex of the devil. Oh, just worship me and you can have everything. Now, the devil could have given him everything. Yeah, no, I'm going to get everything, but I'm not going to get it your way. And and we all know that story, so I don't need to uh, talk too much about that. So resisting it, Jesus won the conflict of the word from below by responding to the word from above. Now, what did the word from above say? I, he said, Father... Is there any way you can change this thing so I don't have to die? I've been watching people die, and that looks like no fun at all. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. And there's not recorded Father's response, but I think it would have been something like, I sent you there to die. Submit to my word of sending. Yet not my will, but thine be done. He glorified God by doing what God said, even though it cost him his life. And based on that, I have this statement. By dying to his below self. You mean Jesus had a below self? No, it's called flesh. By dying to his below self and rising into his above self. I like that. I mean, it's, it's not normal the way theologians talk, but I love that concept. 
so that he could pour out his divine life on all flesh. It's not, he died, he buried, glory to God, he's up in heaven now. I hope I can find him someday up there. That's not the way it is. He poured out the Holy Spirit so that we would have the, the, the power of the divine life itself working in us in obedience to the word that we get daily. Those who receive the daily flow, <coughs> the move of the Holy Spirit in your life is not, yeah, 30 years ago I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Have you followed him since? Are you following him today? Uh, those who receive this daily flow of the divine life become, and here's the point of the whole morning, become words of life for others in their community. Am I a word of life to my wife? I know. We've had a few moments the other direction. You know, once. <laughs> January, we will have been married 60 years. I married her when she was a baby. I and you, we need to die to our below self and come alive daily to the above self, which is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He lives in me means what I'm doing is what he's doing. If you're not doing what he's doing, he's not living in you. Is that clear? So, those who receive the daily flow become word of life for others. And they, the others, are drawn into the vortex of the community of God. The way you live your life is designed, the life of Christ in you, is designed to attract others into this vortex. So I'm going to turn it over to Robert. I'm done. in response to your word. Reveal that to us now. 
the spirit have showed you anything because it's just a take this opportunity and just walk that out and 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 pray that out in repentance God comes and his conviction, his showing us the places where we need to adjust. He doesn't come in condemnation. They're actually designed to empower us as we step from where we are into where we should be. So just pray that out. Just pray it out to yourself. Just confess whatever it is the Holy Spirit showed you. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you've told us that we, when we confess our sins, when we confess the places where we're missing the mark, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to bring us into places of restoration and deeper relationship with you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you that you receive our prayers. Thank you that... Um, the blood of the lamb cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. And now this next piece I think the, the Lord wants us to do is like some of us already, you know, we, we have our assignment. We're doing our assignments. You know, we're somewhere along the, the you know, the, 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 the um, we're somewhere along in the in the assignments that he's given us. Maybe somebody in the room, you're going, well, I don't know, really, I don't know that I have an assignment. I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Well, now this is a place to ask that question. Lord, what would you have me to do? For those of us that, you know, feel like we're, we're, we're kind of moving along, we kind of have an idea what we're supposed to be doing, I think this is a place of, and what I'm sensing that the Lord wants to do is bring a place of empowerment. And I love the way Fount has framed this. And it may be at times that we, um, uh, you know, we, we see ourselves too small. You know, the land is actually not full of giants and we're worms. We are actually walking with the Lord of the armies of heaven who's establishing his plans and his purposes on the earth. And as Fount's already said, he's invited us to, to join with him. And so we can't minimize and we should not minimize these places where each of us has found said, we are currently writing history. I mean, when you think about it, at three o'clock this afternoon, when that moment arrives, history has never been there yet. It's not a replay. It's not a seven-day loop that keeps going around. It's never been there before. So each of us are sowing and, and, and reaping and establishing our place in the age that we're in and the history that's being created. And so... Just raise your hands. 
Lord, I thank you. First off, for those that, that are not quite sure what it is that I'm supposed to do, Holy Spirit, bring clarity right now to each of us as to what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be doing it. And Lord, I just speak a, a breaking and a freeing from those places that we, um, uh, we only see our, our position as being in some type of super spiritual realm somehow. Um, that you've called each of us to a very specific assignment and those assignments are all amazing because you've called us to that. So the assignment to be a good husband, a good wife, a good father, a good mother, those are important assignments that we've been given. And our assignments will change over the age that we're living in and living through. And so, Holy Spirit, just begin to, to show each of us, this is what I've called you to do. Lord, may we be a people that just live in thankfulness in the place that you've called us. Thankfulness in what you're doing in us and through us. Thankfulness for the people around us, our sphere of influence that you've set us in. And how we're able to speak life and be light to that sphere. So Holy Spirit, bring a fresh breath, a fresh breath this morning into each of us, into our assignments. May your power begin to rise up in us in measures that we've not seen before. May the clarity of our assignment uh, come in in ways that it's not come before. Those places where we, we sense unsure, we're unsure, we're not, not clear about something. Lord, I speak clarity into the assignment of everyone in this room and those that will watch us and are watching us on the live stream. May, be, we, may we be the vessels of glory that you've called us to be. And may we be the ones that not only are caught up in the vortex of the word of God, but the vortex that we're in is drawing others into that same vortex. And Lord, may our lives be that flow of those that were once caught in darkness, being introduced to the Christ and coming into the vortex of the word of God. The rhema of God. Lord, you've called each of us to carry that level of influence. And Lord, even as you are preparing us as found spoke, and, and I just accept that declaration and say yes, that things are changing at a, at a global and a political realms. Uh, the, the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and our God. The cracks are already in the foundations. The writing has already been lay, written on the wall. The, the scale has already been weighed. Lord, may we be that people that are prepared to step into those places where it seems like chaos and destruction is all that can be seen. Lord, may we be the people that you have positioned, that you have put your spirit in, that, that we are there at the right time, at the, at the right place, to the right person to be able to say, this is the way out, 
Now walk in it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your glory. Thank you that this, this ball that's swirling around the sun is not just some haphazard chance that happened in the, in the creation of a universe. But Lord, your plans and your purposes are being established. And Jesus, there's a day appointed when you step back on this planet. That for us, it's not a matter of getting out of here to go someplace else. It's actually heaven is coming to earth. That all the earth will be filled with your glory. It'll be filled in your people. It'll be filled in your creation. That all the earth will be filled with the glory of God. Lord, stir our hearts. And I would encourage each of us, stir up your hearts in faith and expectation and love for our Lord and his kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Phew. If you need prayer, come up. The prayer team would love to pray for you. Otherwise, have a great week, and um, we'll see you. Yes? Oh, Linda has something to say. Well, I really feel like that Robert really covered what was on my heart as he led us in prayer, and I thank you for that. But I guess I just wanted to, I had a, a sort of a moment with God in uh, worship, and I don't want to go into the full detail of that. But in that uh, time, uh, he brought to my, to my heart how thankful I am for a man that has uh, kept me in the vortex of knowing God better. And I'm so thankful for that. And, and so what's in my heart then is to be another one of those that would bring others into that vortex of his word. And so I think it might be good for us to take opportunity to thank those that have and also have a heart to continue to do that. Amen. Amen. It's so, it's so cool having them stay with us because at, at coming up on 60 years of marriage, they are so cute when they have like this little spat. It doesn't last, but it's so darn cute when it happens and they just get right back into where they were at and there's hardly no time lost. And I'm like, I, I, for, for Linda and I, I want to have spats like that. I just want to be cute in my spat. If you need prayer, come up, uh, hug somebody, bless somebody, and 